co-founder at Shogun Wars, and we're back for our second episode of the podcast. How's it going, Steve? It's going well, Matthias. Hey, guys. Uh, Steve here, uh, contributor for Shogun War and also Master of Lore slash writer. Uh, do a lot of writing work with Matthias, and this is our second podcast. So we're uh, we're excited to hopefully do this one with a with a little bit more energy, a little bit more uh, a little bit more rust off the shoulders. And uh, I think <laughs> I think I think every podcast we do is going to be that much more enjoyable. We're hoping it gets better and better, but it's probably you know at some point we're going to peak and it's all downhill from there. But we'll let everybody know ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we cool. just want yeah. we just want to post the podcast that we don't like, so you guys yeah, will only exactly. get the best. We've actually we've actually recorded like fifty times since yesterday, and this is the one that made it on. <laughs> That's what editing's for, right? It's it's perfect. Exactly. But yeah, man, everything so moves so fast in crypto. It's like kind of ridiculous with Moonbird still going. Like, I mean, I honestly thought their floor was not going to hold up as well. Like, it's I'm starting to FOMO a little bit, and I'm like, but at thirty something, thirty two, thirty six ETH, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, one of the one of the articles that I wanted to talk to to uh, you and talk to everyone else about is uh, this Moonbirds analysis that was posted by Woo Blockchain. So once we get oh, to yeah. that piece, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy that one that floor price held up, and two that I think uh, it's basically what doubled. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, a lot of people I know, influencers wise, were like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to take a little profit here." At, I think like nine ETH or something, or like mm-hmm. ten, and then they're just like basically kicking themselves all over twitter just showing like yeah. well you know can't win them all and you know profits profit and stuff like that but I, yeah you know that's the uh that's the i feel like that's the standard go-to right it's when you <laughs> you still take a profit but you're pretty early on and the and the price just keeps going up and you're like hey guys like profits profit at least i won well <laughs> and it's just yeah. like yeah but okay i know there's an old poker adage it's like you you'll uh, never go broke taking um I think it's never going to go you're never go broke taking profits or winning hands or something like that and it's like i mean it does make sense but i think it doesn't make you feel much better (laughs) no no it doesn't but it probably (laughs) does net net make you feel much better if you're winning more than you're losing uh if you're only winning one dollars at a time it's obviously not going to feel as good as if you won a thousand (laughs) bucks but at least you're still winning yeah somebody was talking about um bet sizing in crypto and and this kind of stuff and it's it's pretty interesting that a lot of these like VC firms and big hedge funds and stuff like that will hire ex poker pros because I mean, who knows good, like how to bet, how to gamble, you know, how to take a risk on large sums of money that kind of feel not real, you know? Yeah, that is, that is really interesting. I mean, it's crazy too. I mean, yesterday's uh, episode was all about, well, I wouldn't say all about, but we covered, uh, we covered (laughs) Thales and their, and um, their paramutual markets, which is essentially just options. And, it is i mean it is glorified betting and like who better to get into the space than glorified betters <laughs> professional betters aren't we all degens at heart anyways I think yeah exactly this <laughs> is just unlocking the true degenerate in the average person the average ape <laughs> exactly letting them run wild so yeah there's a podcast oh. name the average ape oh there we go Yo, we're still naming this so if you guys wonder why there's no name it's we're we're still in uh naming production we will we will take name suggestions however we probably won't use them but we would love to take yeah. some name suggestions suggestions we can maybe. shoot them down really That's yeah the most exactly fun. yeah we just want to feel <laughs> we just want to feel like we have some right to condescend <laughs> that's why you start a podcast that's that's the whole point <laughs> exactly exactly well cool yeah you want to jump into one uh yeah so um yeah. One that I thought was pretty interesting, one article that I read um, that I'm pretty excited to talk about. Honestly, the more I read it, the more I was like, I feel like their mission really aligns well with uh, Shogun War. Mm-hmm. It's called Ragnarok. Have you have you heard of it, Matthias? I haven't really seen it much. It's been like all over the place. Yeah, it's a cool. I feel like it's a really cool coalescence of a couple of the things that have gained a lot of traction. So for one, um, it's an RPG game, RPG Web three game. Uh, there's seven thousand seven hundred seventy seven, a lot of lucky numbers there. Ronin zero <laughs> NFTs um, that are part of this Ragnarok mint. So Ragnarok is the overall game, which is an RPG. You mint your your NFT. They're all PFPs. They're like anime esque PFPs, kind of manga art style. So yeah. that's what I mean by kind of leveraging two things that have gained a lot of traction. One being like anime NFTs, I mean, like Azuki and whatnot. Um, and then 
the other leveraging this like i feel like the web3 game space is ripe for some rpg games some true rpg games obviously a lot of games can label themselves as rpg games but until you really get to that rpg uh nature where you where you really do feel like there is a leveling mechanic and that leveling mechanic actually makes you feel like you're better than when you started it's not really it doesn't yeah. really feel like an rpg to well, me. it's hard for those incentives too like you to keep yeah. it like little by little but then layering on like i think people underestimate like how hard it is to then add like if you tried to add crypto over wow like i don't know that it would work out very well oh it'd be, <laughs> and it would just be excessively complicated too to actually make it you know uh monetizable yeah and i think the market's a bit different for people that are playing like like true video game video games besides mm -hmm. like i mean we can get into costs and stuff like that for making yeah. an rpg yeah um, and i feel like you'd have to keep a lot off if you're doing like an rpg like wow yeah for sure i think that's probably going to be like the futures is not like crowding it all onto the on onto the blockchain mm -hmm. but yeah it's yeah. gonna be a while i think so anyways uh ragnarok is minting on april 27th i actually reached out to a couple of the guys there to see if i can get them on the podcast because they do seem their their mission and their their vision and even just like the tone that they deliver everything at where they're very like they're very player centric and they're very uh diamond hand centric they're not nice. you know they're not just trying to collect their money and dip they don't want to rug us um <laughs> that's what at least that, yeah that's the sense you get i mean you could you could <laughs> you can talk as much as you want but until it happens you never really know um yeah but they they're minting april 27th so it's coming up um i've been in their discord from some time for some time now even before reading this article um and a couple key takeaways that that i really like about the project one um each nft gives you exclusive access to their game kind of like shogun war they're all pfps mm -hmm kind of like Shogun War. And the art <laughs> is uh, definitely this like manga-esque uh, vibe. It pulls from a bunch of different creative pulls, um, like anime, pop culture, other projects, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, their in-game characters mimic the PFP. And their in-game characters are really cool. They're like, uh, from what I can tell, when you go onto their website, the way that they show their roadmap, um, it's kind of funny because this sort of mimics Thales. Uh, the way that they show the the roadmap is it, it lets you pick one of three characters, and whichever character you pick then sits like on this road, um, ironically, mm -hmm. and and you basically you walk down this like long path, and there's I think nine different stops on their roadmap, and every time you make a stop, it gives you like a dialogue box with like what that part of the roadmap is, like what date that is. So for example, like the mint date, the date that the game drops, etc. So it, it's a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah. I just think from it's the pretty nice though I yeah mean, yeah like actually put a lot of work into like the roadmap because a lot of like projects can just kind of you know ship it overlook that they're, they're going to deliver something else but it's nice to see the details in that a lot of that stuff yeah definitely and i feel like as as much as it's easy to overlook the ux and the design that you get on the website i think it is important and it does give you um some visibility into the create like creativity of the team but on top of that like mm -hmm. the quality of the work that they put in because it was very fluid and it did look really cool and i was like this isn't even the game and i'm kind of excited uh um, yeah it's kind of funny when these projects have like not even just nft but DeFi projects have like you know they're like we're the web three you know whatever and we're amazing and we got like the latest tech and stuff and then their website's like really bad yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah exactly mm. it's, it's just white <laughs> background just text absolutely no yeah. images yeah yeah. like full stack dev but can't get a website you know that looks good like yeah. okay and i'm a I mean, full i'm a complete fool for branding so like i i was yeah. my buddy and i was joking about it like we uh we were walking through the sports store the other day trying to get some golf gloves and yeah. uh i remember just being like we were everything we were picking because we were buying a bunch of stuff to go golfing uh yeah. we went on a golf trip a couple weekends ago and every single thing that we were buying, we were just like, oh, that looks so fucking sick. Like the <laughs> the advertisement on that looks so cool. And by the end of it, we're like, dude, we're literally the people that these companies are marketing to. We're just like, <laughs> they're just complete apes. Um, looks like you're in the, the demographic that they're, they're marketing to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, such a fool for branding. And, you know, like I said, the website was just beautifully made. So I was really impressed. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of other things that I really like about it. I mean, for one, it's an RPG game. Huge fan of RPG games. Been playing RPG games my entire life. Um, I think I put in probably like, who knows, like a thousand to 10,000 hours of Skyrim, Fallout, <laughs> like basically anything Bethesda puts out. 
Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I played tons of MMORPGs uh, growing up, and so it really appealed to my <laughs> my inner kid. Um, so yeah, it's an RPG game. You can slay monsters, loot treasure, craft, gain XP, level up, and choose and change classes. Um, hmm. And all of those things are kind of slowly rolling out, similar to Shogun War, another Shogun War yeah. plug. <laughs> um, there also will be in-game real estate and in-game businesses, which I thought was really interesting too. I didn't get a chance to look too much into that, but it sounded really cool just by the uh, by the little block on the roadmap that I was hitting. Um, Basically, metaverse. We're yeah, exactly. On their high yeah, and that's yeah, exactly. They're, you know. <laughs> they're getting their little metaverse in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the mint is April. The game releases in May. Uh, the the collection that they're minting out is the Genesis collection. So they're actually going to have like breeding, uh, a little bit like Axie. So okay. they're gonna they're gonna do in game breeding. I'm not sure when that happens, but there will be multiple generations to this NFTs. I'm guessing that the the Genesis collection will have more generation two, generation three. But um, yeah, they're gonna have their own marketplace, uh, which is opening up in June. Um, like we were saying, it's going to kind of become its own little metaverse. You can even set up those businesses, you have property, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're minting yeah. via a public fair auction. So the first 4,000 are minting to the public via Dutch auction. Um, hmm. And then the there's two other mint list uh, mints that are happening. There's the pixel mint list. They have like little, little uh, coined words for the two separate mint lists. They have the pixel mint list, which is for anyone who got spots through raffles, partnerships, et cetera. And then they have a pill mint list, which is for community members that were extremely engaged. Um, hmm. And they get the That's lowest nice price. Though. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, yeah, they get the lowest price. And then it's like, you know, I think everybody's trying to tackle this issue of like, where, where you want to reward people that are committed, you want to reward the diamond handers, you want to reward people that are like, you know, really building your community, but it's, it's pretty hard, you know, like you never yeah, really exactly. know people that are in there, right? Like you, you don't no, that's know if the, people are actually diamond handed. No, that's the thing too. And that's, that's what I'm saying too. It, it has that like feel that from, you know, talking to you, Raj and all the, all team members of Shogun War, like mm -hmm. it has this feel where they really are focusing on the people that are engaged in the community, the people that are going to, that want the, that are showing the most engagement. And when you show the most engagement, it shows that you want this thing to grow. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, paper hands want this thing to grow too, obviously, because if you're paper handed, <laughs> you're trying to quickly. flip for a, a profit. Yeah, they just want it to happen quickly. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, so they so the way that it works is the pixel mint list, which are for the ones that got through raffles, etc. Those guys get they they get to mint at the um, price that the that the auction sets on the lowest price, I believe. And then mm. the pill mint list is fifty percent of the fair auction value. So they they are definitely rewarding their community members that are that are really engaged. Uh, so I think that that's really cool. I think that aligns with us on a lot of levels. So that's why yeah. I'm trying to get these guys to hop on the podcast with us. So if you're listening, Ragnarok guys, uh, we, we'd love <laughs> to talk to you. Jump on the pod. Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. I like to see how every different team kind of tackles these these problems. That literally, if you launch a project, you have to tackle this issue. Like, yeah, we, exactly. or if you launch a coin, it's like yeah, they each have their own kind of problems i know uh anata um they were doing it where 50 percent of the mint price goes into treasury um and then basically you're all bidding you're like bidding but then you everyone pays the the lowest like accepted bid basically like the lowest the floor price yeah exactly yeah i remember i remember talking about that yesterday yeah it's pretty cool yeah it's super interesting they do it um i've seen that done in DeFi as well where you'll have like a mechanism like that Mm -hmm. where people do the same thing i think it was i forget who proposed it i think it was like sunny or somebody from the osmosis team mm -hmm. um proposing something like that like basically the same thing where you know you drop a coin and you're offering you know a certain amount of coins but then everybody bids and the lowest bid fills everybody's um above that and then you get refunded um you know above whatever you uh, bid above the floor price. yeah it's an interesting mechanism like i'd have to i'd have to kind of sit down and think through that like what the because I feel like the driving force in any mint is psychology. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it, it's the psychology of the user and it, it's aligning psychology with the mission, right? And in yeah. like Ragnarok's case, the the mission is to create something for the end user, something that creates value for their game, um, something that awards the, rewards the people that have put in the most time into building the community. Um, and to reward the team and the contributors and, and whatnot. But they they're building they're building what looks to be a quality game 
so that's their mission and then yeah. obviously like the psychology you just have to think through like the psychology of doing an auction is trying to get the fairest i mean in my opinion is probably trying to get the fairest value um to your users yeah. like what people are willing to pay for it which yeah well uh, establishing that value too right like like yeah. even with DeFi and coins and stuff like that like you know you have a new project coming out you don't even the team doesn't know what you know the token should be worth exactly, <laughs> you know, it's kind exactly. Of like, yeah and that's the thing too is like the question of is a floor is a nft floor um more stable if it was minted through a dutch auction or is it more stable if it had a static mint i mean that's that's kind of the question right something to think about um yeah i mean that's definitely something we could pick over too because I, like I, I was telling somebody about this like usually uh, what i would recommend for projects is to figure out who your ideal kind of holder is um and then kind of optimize for that right so like somebody exactly. you want somebody like like yeah like you drop in a, an rpg game you definitely need some runway right so yeah you got to figure out who's gonna hold and you know how do you get those users yeah one thing i was thinking of too with rpg games um and i'm not sure if this is a moat it's just like you know you know how like towards the end like let's say wow has been running for like five years right like we're going back in time but wow has been around for five mm -hmm. years people are paying to come in at level 60 instead of having to start from scratch and whatnot like is there a barrier to entry for people once the game's already reached a stage where a lot of the players are high level um yeah. i think that's something to think about too i mean even like applying that to shogun war like you know, a year from now, if a lot of our shogis are, are level 10, um, do we raise the, 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 the level cap? Like things like that. I mean, I think those are things to, to kind of think through when you're building an RPG game, because obviously each player has a dynamic relationship to the game. They get stronger and the stronger they get, I feel like the less willing certain people are to come in and play the game because they know that the competition's already at a level that's much above what they're entering at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's definitely an issue. A lot of like solo games or um, different games, like even MMORPGs, like WoW and stuff like that, deal with. With ours, how we we kind of chose to tackle that is basically you're you're put into a clan, so you're kind of not starting from zero. You can you can work in with a group that's already there, and you're right. fighting with an army that's been fighting already. So you're mm -hmm. not going to get clapped like right out the gate. <laughs> Yeah, so, which brings in a question easy. like the idea of tiering the play, like tiering the contribution that players have given to their clan, right? Because it almost mm -hmm. doesn't seem fair to come into Tokugawa clan uh, a year down the line where everyone's already put in all this time to build the clan to be what it is and get the same rewards that you would get from being a day one member. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the that's the other question is like, how do you combat that so that, you know, that there's some sense of fairness across clan members? um mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean i don't know what that looks like going on in the future maybe that's something that something clan governance uh yeah. will decide i think the way we were going to deal with it but we're always kind of like brainstorming for for new stuff was basically like a a you know each individual let's say there's 10 shogun and one is level 10 and then or in like 100 battle power let's say and then the rest of you know it just scales down like you know nine and 90. Mm -hmm. um the person with the highest battle power and the highest level, which usually just going to go together, um, or, you know, it doesn't necessarily, but it'll be basically off of battle power. Like how much you're, if you think of like how much you're contributing to a battle, that'll mm -hmm. kind of determine the amount of rewards. And that's just very realistic with like, if you see in movies, like, you know, if somebody kills the other general or does really well, they're like giving more rewards and, mm -hmm. you know, it yeah. kind of scales really well. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, and I think that's the right way to think about it too. Yeah. Um, and so just to close off Ragnarok, oh, yeah. uh, the NFTs will be minted on ETH and the game will run on Avalanche. And that was the very last bullet that I had for my notes. So I was going to say, because we we're like, I knew I was going to about to get distracted. So it's good that you actually brought it back. So we, we close. I know we like we go off on, on tangents and stuff like that. But yeah. The it, more and more you and I talk to each other, the more and more I realize that you and I could just talk for 24 hours a day. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I just think there's so many interesting aspects um, to NFTs as well. Like, and it, there's always something new, but I think too, when people start getting into the space, at first it's like, oh, it's they're just JPEGs and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. you realize they're like much deeper. But then if you look at it from like a protocol or like a project aspect too, it's like, you know, should somebody that like, let's say buys a Shogun that's really already decked out, um, 
you know, like, should they get as many rewards as somebody that like grinded or, or played the game for the whole time? And then now their Shogun's decked out. Like, are they the, an equal value user? To right. The protocol? And I think there has to be some, some, uh, something has to get burned. I think if you join, mm-hmm. if you, if you buy later on, you buy a Shogun that's already level 10, it has the best weaponry. It has the best X, Y, or Z. Like something has to be burned, I think to make up for that. But you're still paying for you're assumingly paying a premium for a better nft so there has to be something that stays but i feel like there also has to be mm-hmm. something that goes or you just leave yeah. it up to the person that's selling it like i put in this much work this is what it's worth and when that person yeah. buys in they're getting the worth that you put in yeah i mean essentially that's kind of what they're paying for too is exactly. like you know they're paying instead and they're paying in eth or money or whatever instead mm-hmm. of like paying in time which is it's kind of it's interesting though if you start calculating or start looking at like you know who's your most valuable user um Mm -hmm. and other things like power users for DeFi protocols like it works the kind of very similarly in other protocols like i know a lot of people kind of bristle at it but it's like if somebody has a million dollars in in your DeFi and and ave or whatever let's say Mm -hmm. and then somebody has a hundred dollars in ave like are i mean they're really not worth the same to ave exactly (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) you know but it's no, not really fun point. to talk about either for people that are like, well, some users are, are more worth or, or more valuable than others. Yeah. No one wants <laughs> to feel like they're not as valuable as someone else. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of an equality thing, I think definitely, but also like people, I think do need to realize like in business, like normie business, like you have a client that, that spends with your or whatever, 20 grand with you. Um, and you have somebody that spends like two grand you know they're just not worth the same like to you yeah yeah exactly exactly you know? exactly i mean yeah, yeah i mean it's like you know sad to say but it's someone like cole on the shogun war on the shogun <laughs> war versus like someone who bought one shogi like it's sad sad to mm-hmm. say that one person probably has contributed more to the game than the other in terms of yeah you know how much they put into the game but um mm-hmm. i mean i think that's I the think- that's the battle that we're trying to fight right it's like creating yeah. equal ground for everyone Exactly. I think at the protocol level or at the project level, I don't think that there should be like special incentives um, Mm -hmm. where it would let them get like a special advantage. Um, But then things like, okay, well, we should have like we have, um, you know, uh, like whale support. Like if you have 100 shoguns, like it's just kind of a quality of life thing. It doesn't really give you an advantage. And it should be about the it should be a about the quality of the capital that you put in right not just the mm-hmm. quantity of the capital like not just the the monetary amount but also like how much have you actually put into the community like we can name off like 10 people obviously in the shogun war discord mm-hmm. that have put in a lot of time and have actually built something that helps the community um whether that just be through dialogue or an actual mechanism um and that's quality capital in my mind and quantity capital is like someone coming in and putting in a bunch bunch of money but you know a lot of times I feel like the people that put in a lot of, a lot of money are also contributing quality capital as well. Yeah. Well, I think something to th- think about too is like money is not always worth the same amount to you depending on what time frame. Like, you exactly. know, when you're a kid, 20 bucks is amazing. You know, when you're an adult, you're like, this is not really that great. You know, yeah, like thanks for exactly. two or three gallons of gas or whatever it is now. It's like, yeah, like you know, three gallons of gas. It's crazy. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like seven bucks over here. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it's insane. But it's but to like when you get funding like in a seed round, it's much more valuable to you than when you're you know raising your C or you know, your rate your your Series A or B or C or whatever. It's like yeah, it's like know. what does that capital allow you to do at that time? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's not you know a hundred bucks when you're starting something is worth a lot more than a hundred bucks when that thing is already a, a well greased machine. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I think those those things are just really hard to like manage um including then like the feeling where then everybody has to be very equal and Mm -hmm. you know there shouldn't be an advantage but also a lot of pro like projects and and even in DeFi and stuff like that like they favor whales and early participants incentive mechanism like Mm -hmm. that's what people call it ponzi's i guess yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little title's not totally unearned you know what i mean like yeah no it's not yeah (laughs) i feel like it's yeah it's just the maneuvering out of the Ponzonomics um, for a lot of these, yeah. a lot of these GameFi, DeFi situations. Uh, I think that that is kind of the basic model, and then it's maneuvering out of that and either slowing that model down or shifting to something that's 
a little bit more stable in the long term. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I, I was reading, um, I read it a while back, but it's uh, a book by, um, I forget what his last name. It's like Chris something, but he's like a. FBI, We're gonna butcher the um, last name again, like we did yesterday. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be like Chris uh, H or something. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> just make it up. Yeah. But um, it's not even a book. It was, it was a magazine. No. <laughs> it was, the book's called Never Split the Difference, and he was like a FBI, um, like hostage negotiator. Have you right. ever seen this? Uh, I haven't. I haven't. I feel like I've heard of the Never Split the Difference title. I, I don't know if I've yeah. actually ever read or seen it. It's it's really good. It's amazing. Like the whole book's amazing. He makes it really like fun and interesting to like, you know, tackle the whole like it's like a negotiations book. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things in there was basically like a, like a tactic you can use is basically like find something that's cheap for them, but expensive for you mm-hmm. for negotiations. So, and I think that like an example of that for like projects like ours um, or something like a Discord title, you know, very cheap for us, but expensive for them. Like if they want to buy that, they can't, they can't really buy it. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, so that's a good point. Yeah. I think um, projects like ours or NFT projects have a much more like um, leeway in that kind of stuff than DeFi straight DeFi protocols. They, they don't really have that much they can do. They have to get creative. Yeah, I think you cut out you cut out for about five seconds there, so you might want to repeat what you oh, just no said worries. just in case. I was just saying that basically, my my internet's rugging me, of course, but <laughs> you're, um, you're good. It, classic. Uh, but basically, like projects like um, NFT projects actually have mm-hmm. a lot more leeway on creative things that they can do that are cheap for them but expensive for the user, mm-hmm. and that make you feel like warm and fuzzy. Where DeFi projects have to get a bit more creative, but that whole niche right there, you have to get creative. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It, it's it's an interesting concept for sure. I I, I want to give that book a read. I feel like uh, the more and more <laughs> I I start to get knee deep, hip deep, whatever in Web three, uh, <laughs> the more and more I start to become interested in the, a mixture of psychology and philosophy, which is interesting enough. I mean, mix that with economics, yeah. right? Like when we were writing the tokenomics paper, I was leaning so much on like uh, any economics knowledge that I had uh macro and micro and then <laughs> and then like mm-hmm. once once you get involved in it you also realize that there's so much psychology and philosophy that plays into these things i mean i think economics yeah. is a is a really healthy mixture of both of those yeah for sure i mean i think too getting into the markets and just getting in there and seeing like you know thinking about actually releasing something you kind of have to see what's workable too you know it's like like even if it's a you know an economic principle or a psychological principle or something like that like if it doesn't kind of work in the markets like it's mm-hmm. like oh, I mean, it's probably just not workable. Like it just doesn't really make sense, you know. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know what you mean. Um, <laughs> do you want to you want to touch on one of your articles, or what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one here that it was actually really interesting. Um, it was actually the Sigil Funds letter to investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a really cool part actually. I won't like I won't go through the whole read their whole investor report, but. <laughs> But there's a part in there that I think is really interesting for people if they if they like the macro and just like technical um, like tech uh, innovations. Mm-hmm. There's actually something. So uh, I'll read this part though. It's like in economics, the Jovens paradox, sometimes Jovens effect. Uh, actually, I'll just summarize it for everybody. But basically, as technology advances, um, the use of the technology can increase to where it nullifies the. Um, uh, drain on resources so like like oh we're better at planting crops but now we can feed more people so now more people are eating more and so now it doesn't really make it cost uh cost effective or it doesn't make it less expensive it kind of just evens out mm-hmm. i see what you're saying so that with, it's kind of this idea yeah. where like as something becomes more powerful as we start to make a process more efficient um and we the the output goes higher and higher doesn't necessarily become more cost effective because now the demand is also growing parallel exactly yeah and it's like okay well it's not really any cheaper because because a lot of these tech things are like oh well you know and, and sometimes it does but like wind energy now you know it's it's cheaper than it was before or solar it's cheaper than mm-hmm. it was before but now i feel like such as electricity i feel like <laughs> such is true specifically in areas of necessity right like we're talking about Mm -hmm. energy we're talking about food like in those areas i feel like that's true i think like there's always a case where demand will kind of stagnate even like regardless of what the supply is yeah yeah i mean probably too like where it's like well if you know energy was so cheap 
there's probably things that would open up maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of it, you can imagine scenarios where it's like, oh, now it's way cheaper to run Bitcoin mining things. So you, now you're like, well, I'll just get a couple more Bitcoin miners or, you know, electric cars are now super cheap. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, okay, well then you start using electricity for more appliances or more things like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it just, it's probably like the people side of it too. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. You think you get deep <laughs> enough into any economic principle and you, your brain starts to hurt a little <laughs> bit if you're not, if you're not on paper. People are just looking at ways to break it and stuff too. Cause I mean, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. If you had cheaper electricity or cheaper, you know, one resource, you might even see where people get rid of the thing that uses, you know, the other stuff and just mm-hmm. goes over to that because it's it's cheaper. So they just switch over. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of a positive, you know, for the green energy sector. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see uh, <laughs> what it looks like stepping out onto a busy road 10 years from now, if we're just going to see a lot yeah. of electric cars or, you know, what that'll look like. <laughs> I think it depends a lot on where you live. Uh, <laughs> where I, where yeah. I'm at, I think uh, the transportation industry rules and a lot of their policies, a lot of their uh, lobbying has, has kind of defined the, uh, <laughs> the landscape the, there. The landscape, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other interesting take from this was, too, they were down 28% in January, which is like, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody got hosed. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> like, yeah. At least it wasn't just me. Uh, but they, they do have some interesting stuff. I mean, everybody can can jump into it for sure if they, they want it. Um, but they were looking at Forgotten Ruins, Wizard Cult, Metaverse, looked super interesting. Um, it's one I've seen around quite a bit, but we should get them if we can get them on, get them on because it's, it does seem like one that they're constantly building and releasing, mm-hmm. um, like uh, like the Kongs and stuff like that, and Neo Tokyo and a lot of those guys. Awesome. But um, yeah, it just seems really interesting, but I haven't dug into it. We'll take anyone on this podcast. <laughs> we we'll literally, you know, get in early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we don't have anyone coming on next week, maybe I'll just put my dog up here and let her just breathe yeah. into the mic for a little bit. Well, it's us. We could always just we can talk forever anyway, so it's fine. You know? it's, <laughs> exactly, it's, get, it's exactly. a good out. <laughs> But no, I mean it's it's interesting because they did have a lot of macro in here, which um, I think yeah, I think I was saying it last time. Like that's the kind of concern where you know do you go in right now because you know everything looks like it's waiting to pop, and obviously you want to front run retail and you want to front run everybody. Like you don't want to buy the top, but you know we know that like uh, an economic downturn is we almost know for certain it's going to happen at some point this year. Mm-hmm. We just don't know kind of when, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, I mean, do you know though? Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's just, yeah. it's always, it's always stuff. Like you never know what's going to happen. I think everyone thought that uh, the stock market would not recover as fast as it did during the pandemic. Like, I mean, For obviously sure. now things have changed a bit, but I remember there was a period where everything was so low. Um, and I was just like playing around, just buying some stuff because I was like, eh, I haven't seen these, I haven't seen these prices since I've been alive. Um, Starbucks, yeah. for instance, I think it was like, it was in the 90s, maybe like March of 2020, uh, mm-hmm. or I should say a little bit earlier than that before the pandemic. It was like in the 90s, and then I think it dropped as low as 40. So I just was like, fuck it, like I'll buy some. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen this price ever. And then like I told a couple of my friends, were like, nah, dude, like I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like there's <laughs> there's no wisdom in buying Starbucks right now. And I did it. And like in a period of, th- I think like three months, it just bounced, like it almost doubled. So I was just like, okay, yeah. like. It's just, it, but no one expected the stock market to recover that quick because it took a downturn extremely fast. And I think like everyone is trying to benchmark the stock market off of his, the, you know, history, but mm-hmm. the history of the stock market relative to the history of the world is relatively short. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and those yeah. dollars are always sweeter than the dollars you make on like plays that everybody knows, right? Like you can rub it in then. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, people are looking at it and they're like, oh, well, you know, if we have a black swan again, like then we, you know, was like, that's why they're black swans. Like nobody saw it coming. <laughs> you know? exactly. So it, it's kind of hard that way. But um, I know a few people um, uh, I was on this VC podcast I was looking at, um, I think it's all in podcast, but they're saying like famine is basically it's coming because. Um, you know, the region uh, that all uh, that the war is happening, basically, that's a, a major planting region. And the other side to that was basically, you know, it's going to hit Europe much harder than it will the US. Um, mm-hmm. And China probably won't be affected at all. That was wow. a kind of interesting take from that. Yeah, because so what China's done is basically bought up um, 150% of its one year need for calories. So Jesus, 
Yeah, they have. They kind of. So they have yeah, a surplus going into yeah they have a surplus going into this exactly like yeah. going into a section where like everybody's going to need food I mean and that does exacerbate the issue because you know China the second largest economy is like buying when you know Nigeria needs to sure up its stores there's no competition there like right. they, they can't compete <laughs> no so, that, that yeah that makes sense crazy yeah that's that's gonna be tough. I don't know. So I don't know if we'll see, but we could see, you know, like in people too, they overblow this, they blow this stuff up like so much where it's like, oh, this is going to be crazy. And then, you know, nobody is like, it's like looking at fully diluted value on, on coins. It's like, is anybody mm -hmm. looking at that? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, these things, these things are conjecture, right? Like it's, you yeah. know, you're going to find someone with a completely opposite prediction, um, any place on the internet. And, uh, which whichever way it goes, if it goes left or if it goes right, like someone's going to say, "Oh, I thought it was going to mm -hmm. go right." Someone's going to say, "Oh, I thought it was going to go left." Whichever way it goes, like that prediction is going to be the predi prevailing prediction. Like, "Oh, we saw this coming," but in reality, like the conjecture was split half half. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and there's always like the other side of that argument is that basically, like now it's going to sure up America's depend. Not, I mean, it's going to get rid of America's dependence on um, foreign economies mm -hmm. so we're going to have a lot of redundancies in the u.s which is good for us long term of course um but you know let's you know we could see that where it's like well of course that was going to happen like the u.s now um takes care of the food shortages because bill gates is the largest landowner farm landowner in the u.s mm -hmm. like well somebody saw it coming yeah to, you exactly. know what i mean it's a little yeah. like ah oh. yeah there's always like two sides there for sure <laughs> or more sides than two fuck there's, there's like 10 sides <laughs> yeah it's it's literally a dungeons and dice dice it's uh yeah, dungeons and exactly. dice dungeons and dragons dice <laughs> dungeons, and <laughs> dungeons and dice dice no it's a it's literally a dnd dice you Double got the dice <laughs> yeah you, you got that 20-sided dice that you're rolling every time uh exactly. something's about to happen here as investors like roll that d20 you hit a, hit a one back it up with a one you're just like all right you're broke <laughs> uh recession fuck <laughs> recession good job you got covid uh deuce 2.0 yeah, yeah god's just Damn. up there rolling a d20 he's like he's <laughs> like oh, sorry guys i'll end it on a one you get it you gotta get yeah. it's covid19 it's <laughs> supposed to happen in 20 years yeah covid19 <laughs> Uh, this, yeah. Australia is going to be set on fire. Like, <laughs> good luck for the Again. next few years, guys. Oh, also, yeah. by the way, uh, Russia is going to try to invade Ukraine. World War Three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's there's so many crazy things that could pop off. It's like, but then you know, then you get moonbirds coming out of nowhere too. I mean, not nowhere, but it's like, who would have guessed they would have done a hundred million or a hundred and fifty million by now um, in volume? Yeah, it's crazy, and that's a that's a good segue into my article. If you were if you were mm -hmm. if you were done talking about yours, let's I do can... it. Let's seg it. <laughs> so uh, the article I read was a Moonbirds analysis by Woo Blockchain. Um, so they posted a, a Moonbird analysis with some pretty meaty metrics. Uh, it was actually really cool. I liked reading it. Another another full of branding scenario where I was like, damn, like <laughs> another like it's a mixture of being a full for branding and also just like a data nerd. So like yeah. I, I'm reading this and I'm like, God damn, this graph looks so sick. Like <laughs> I'm like, come on, like I'm just getting so excited reading it. Um, but anyways, yeah. I don't so, know if I've ever had that before. I'm like, oh man, that is a good pie chart right there. This someone's someone's nice. gotta do it, dude. Someone's gotta be that guy, right? Um but I'm I, glad it float somebody's boat because I would be like, I would be lost with that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, did you see how fast I you us. see how fast I cranked out the numbers for Shogun War today? Like yeah, I was literally just exactly. like, God, it is so fun. Like <laughs> probability like of my worst nightmare. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways yeah so there was some pretty pretty meaty metrics uh in lingo and i just wanted to break down for the audience but also you know talk to you about it because yeah. it got me pretty excited for the project's potential growth and i know you're fomoing right now so i'm sure you'd love to hear this <laughs> i know <laughs> it's gonna be I, tearing I up tell you about I that one too it's like i was i was telling uh my wife i should jump and do it real quick because it's a quick one but i was telling my wife like uh -huh. You know there's this nft you know it's really amazing like this project moonbirds it's amazing and she's like oh that's that's cool you know like she's semi-interested and she knows actually a lot about DeFi because i've told her a lot about it but mm -hmm. and then i was like it's called proof collective and it's about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. i think it's gonna go up and she's like "Fuck no <laughs> damn <Yeah. laughs> like I, you know like i mean they could i i looked at it at 82 and now they're at like 115 and i know they're going but it's just you you have your it's swing. it's good though i i truly believe that it's good to have some checks and balances in your life like you're yeah. gonna miss out on some opportunities but i'm sure that she's also kept you away from some things that have uh taken a downturn full degen modes yeah yeah, I mean, yeah you know, exactly. not everyone's a home run you know it's, it happens 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the best of us. Exactly. But yeah, no, it's it's super exciting though. So uh, yeah, that hopefully the lesson you learned from that was not to listen, like was not to not listen to your wife because I'm yeah, sure exactly. that if it uh, goes up, it definitely is. I'm definitely <laughs> bookmarking that one. I'm like, well, you remember that last time? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she'll. I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Yeah, remember that last time when I told you I was going to spend 350 grand of of our money yeah. on on like, <laughs> Proofash? And it could be, could be, we could have you know an extra 50. Well, I saw it at 82, and then it goes the real FOMO. See it at 82, and it goes to 115 in a day. Yeah, insane. You know, start yeah. counting the floor, like oh, six more until it's like 150. It's like a hundred grand. Yeah, and then you and then uh, you go to sleep. You wake up. You think that you you bought in because you had that dream where you just got all excited mm -hmm. about buying in, and then you're like, oh, yeah. You go to check your wallet. You're <laughs> like, fuck, I don't have that there. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy. But um, um, yeah, so super exciting though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, just breaking down some of the numbers. So I think there was a lot of mixed sentiment when uh, Moonbirds minted. Like a lot of people were on the fence. I think a lot of people were really excited about it. I think if you were in Proof Collective, you were probably really excited about it because you knew the guys that were um, that were launching this. And uh, mm -hmm. so, and they got two of them too. They airdropped. Yeah, exactly. So that was always nice. Like in two, they they probably bought more though for sure. I think the thing that struck me first was like that two point five ETH is like think one of the highest i've ever seen as a mint mm, yep definitely you know so yeah yeah and that's the crazy thing is too um and i was going to talk about this a little bit later but i think i think that's a good mm -hmm. a good point is uh the average moonbirds per wallet is actually 1.5 like, mm. across i think it's a 10,000 supplier near 10,000 yeah um but yeah in a two-day period from april 16th to april 18th uh Moonbirds accounted for 25% of the sales volume of the entire NFT market. Of the top wow. 10 holders uh, of Moonbirds, five are whales, and the average wallet holdings, like I said, is one and a half. Um, mm -hmm. Ends up being around 6,000 holders, I think, for the total supply. Uh, it had the highest single day trading volume recorded in NFT history. Um, four days into launch, the collection is already surpassing the seven day trading volume of any blue chip NFT. So I, think, I, I heard a little bit of the Zookies. I was like, you know, you're coming back. We're coming back, Zookies. No worries. <laughs> you know, we're not getting flipped again. You know, we, when we got flipped. Zook boys going up. One moon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's crazy. I mean, their market cap rate rank is in the top 10. Uh, daily average trading price has nearly doubled. I think it's gone up more than double. This is probably, these might be yeah. old numbers, but um, it's, it's kind of crazy. And uh, the price increase and whale participation trade-off has kind of seemed to point towards whales facilitating some of that price increase um mm -hmm. but what's new yeah and, exactly yeah exactly uh and 92.8 i'm getting down to decimals now um thank you dewey <laughs> decimal uh 92.8 percent of buyers did not sell in the first 24 hours which 24 hours is 24 wow. years in in yeah. web 3 so that's that's uh i think that that's pretty impressive crazy i mean yeah. there's some stuff like that like that that they have some cool stuff planned. I always like to see, you know, because we're always looking for stuff and I always, you know, want to see NFT um, projects put commits like mm -hmm. because there are those zero to one moments where like, how do you make these things more holdable for the long term? Like, I think they have like a nesting mechanism. Yeah, they do. That in there? Yeah, they do. So n nesting is kind of like a staking mechanism, but the asset actually remains in your wallet. Uh, the longer you nest, the you, you grow in tiers essentially and these tiers have like i don't know if it's points or something like that but you can basically use it mm -hmm. to get merch stickers and then like whatever rewards they they uh release down the line but yeah, i know I the, the ones with hoodies are getting like really dope 200 dollars hoodies you gotta listen to the uh, interview on Bankless. yeah uh, yeah yeah i don't know if you saw this though it's kind of crazy so i guess um they've been there's some controversy about it like whether or not it's for floor price manipulation uh i think that mm -hmm. there's kind of two sides to the coin but um ryan carson who I think is the COO, basically tweeted, uh, where is it? I think I, had, I have the tweet up. Let's see where it is. Mentioned yeah. that, yeah. So, so, so he tweeted and mentioned that any Moonbirds sold below the floor price would immediately be bought by a bot, almost mm. like, yeah, instantaneously. And uh, a lot of people are saying like that might be like floor price manipulation. Um, I think they're trying to disincentivize people selling, like flipping. Um, and one of yeah. the other things you mentioned too, is that like, if the second you list your moon bird, uh, it unnests you. So you're no longer nesting. Yeah. So for as long as you're listed, you can't nest, mm -hmm. which I think makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be some disincentive for selling as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the thing that I always go back and forth with as a, a, a founder is like, you know, like you could take that from kind of two sides, right? So let's take mm-hmm. like the, if you list it below floor price, you know, it automatically gets bought by the uh, by a bot that's from the treasury, right? Mm-hmm. You could say, well, that, that like, you know, you're putting in a floor. So, and, and you're, let's say you're manipulating the floor, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. go with that argument. Well, I mean, if anybody wants to exit, they can always exit. So there's always liquidity, which is a good thing for users. Right. And then if you believe in, in your project, which you, if you're a founder, you should, then like, why would you not want more of that asset? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And so then it doesn't really make sense from that side, but then I can see people like, oh, well, they're propping it up or wash trading or that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I can't, yeah, I could see it, but. There's, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's there's two sides to the argument. Definitely, I don't know which side is is right, but I think that there is uh, some legitimacy in in both arguments, and I think that both mm-hmm. arguments are logical. I think it really is just going to depend on the intentions. Yeah. Um, at that point, but attentions intentions don't really make you money, right? It's the you action. You can see when you run it out. Yeah, it's like exactly. It's like what they're really trying to do, like the actions mm-hmm. that they actually perform. Like, so if they take that moonbird, right, that they bought with the treasury and then they nest it and they like, or they're lowering supply, like we take that moonbird, we nest it, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's never coming out of the vault. Well, that actually adds value to every other holder, kind of theoretically, but yeah, it should add value to every other holder, right? So mm-hmm. then it's kind of a positive. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just kind of how you frame it, definitely. No? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I saw I, one too like that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it also depends on, on you know, who you are. Are you an investor? Are you an outside source? Are you part of the team? It's like everyone's going to have their own perception. Everyone's... And I think the way that it impacts you as a person is going to obviously inform your reaction to it. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly true, because it's like, well, if you're a flipper or something like that, or I mean, I could see people with that one, I don't know, like, I could see people that wanted maybe the floor to drop so they can get in are pissed because it's like, well, they're propping up the floor. Um, when really, they're just like getting more of an asset they think is, is worth it. Exactly. Know? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, and so yeah, that was that was it on the Moonbirds analysis. I mean, I think the the key takeaway is that a lot of there was like I said at the beginning, a lot of mis- mixed um, perception on what was going on with it. Like you said, one of the highest mints mm-hmm. we've probably ever seen, um, or at least one of the highest mints I've seen. So a lot of you know a lot of mi- uh, mixed views on what was going on. They did superb volume wise. Um, I think we saw the NFT market kind of taking a dive in terms of volume up until that day. And then mm-hmm. if you look at a if you look at a beautiful bar bar graph, uh, you can see that <laughs> yeah. Moonbird just pops that thing right back up. Um, and yeah. Yeah, so it's done well so far. And and they have utility. And uh, didn't really mention it, but their team um, has has is a, is a proven team. Um, all members mm-hmm. of the team are well known uh, within the Web3 DeFi space, including Kevin Rose uh, and Ryan Carson. So it's yeah, and they have a community of like 150k plus on on Twitter. So they have a large following. Exactly. I think the stuff that we have to like kind of um, keep in mind with like you know because something that's like a, a 2.5 ETH mint and you know like whatever like there's a lot of disincentives for selling and you know like that kind of stuff. I mean, with a team that isn't known, it hasn't been building, like it's like right out the gate, like crazy kooky, um, you know, crabs or something like, yeah, that's probably just a rug, like, you know, nine out of 10. Crazy kooky cl- crabs is not a rug. Uh, trademarked. <laughs> no, that, trademarked. Yeah. Nobody trademarked that immediately. No, that, <laughs> that is, I mean, who would have thought small penis would be a uh, a rug? <laughs> it was a rug. Yeah. I, <laughs> if you got caught, you know, man, it's, it's maybe just that this little sign. sign yeah. there. But, um, but, you know, like another thing that basically is kind of similar was a Zach um, XBT uh, um, Twitter thread where basically they were doing like these it's some rug where they're called rich bull club rich uh-huh. Bulls club rug according to him it looks pretty ruggy to me so we won't defame anybody but um basically anything listed below the floor price i think or below uh below a certain amount like one eth or something like that was then banned so they became banned rich bulls and those oh, like shit. yeah are then totally different so then uh-huh. they basically are just we're kind of tricking the way things are listed then mm-hmm. so then yeah that i would say is like obviously really bad teams mm-hmm. you know like doesn't have a history no yeah you can tell in their in their yeah. like dialogue 
And your mint price, I think rightfully so, should reflect your ethos coming into it. I mean, we've talked so much about this, like carrying what you've done, the quality of the work that you've produced from one project mm -hmm. to the next, and just like separate spaces, like almost like the quality of Shogun War, like what you bring to this podcast, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even just bringing it to other places in Web3, or even just, you know, socially, but also yeah. bringing it to other projects. Like, I think that you do deserve to, you do deserve, and rightfully so, to charge a premium for your product if you've delivered quality in the past, because people are also paying on the assurance that what you're going to deliver this next time is at the very least, you know, quality. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think the thing is like people sometimes talk about like intrinsic versus extrinsic value and all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff, which I think is mostly like a meme anyways, um, yeah. because every, you know, like it's like, oh, well, if they have a proven team, it's definitely not going to fail. It was like, I mean, it could, or like, yeah, it still founders. could. It yeah, still could. Like there's yeah. lots of rugs with Doc's founders. Like, good luck. Yeah. You know, nothing so, is ever, nothing is ever certain, especially within the Web three space. But exactly having some, have your having your level of certainty, um, you know, increase or grow because you have some more confidence in the founders. I think definitely makes you less skeptical when you see a, a bit of a premium when you're minting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. Like when you see a lot of these, like the experience kind of, um, if you have a lot of experience in the space, then you can kind of see a lot of the same pitches. Like, you know, these are going to be good because, you know, even if you go by kind of uh, meme metrics of like, well, a lot of uh, influencers are, are promoting it, mm -hmm. um, like that could kind of be a pro or a con, but then you link it with like, well, okay, it's a founder that's done multiple projects, um, you know, you got a full stack team, they were building already, like, mm -hmm. if you're starting with a foundation of a good community, then you have a chance of actually making something real. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. Yeah, um, the more you're here, you, the more pitches you see like that, and it's it just becomes easier. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we're at the 50 minute mark. So um, do you, <laughs> I, we, I think we did a better job than yesterday at, at getting through this stuff. For and sure. I feel, I feel like there was a little bit more energy to it too. And I think, uh, I think happily we've both uh, done better this time than the last time. So <laughs> like, that's what we're just continuously incremental, trying to do. Incremental gains. I think I exactly. up a few times with like saying a few things and the analogies definitely weren't correct, but um, I think it was pretty, <laughs> I think I got most of the stuff um, there was one I was going to say, I think it was um, in the sigil report too. It's interesting mm -hmm. that um, I know a lot of people kind of think like near is a meme and mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. They were putting it in as, as a, a solid bet. I mean, they're obviously, they hold it in their portfolio. So yeah, that with a grain of salt, but um, that is interesting. I'm, Cause I have, I have kind of seen a lot of content, especially on like Twitter yeah. and even discord where like people are memeing near. Exactly. Exactly. And I know somebody put out some like long thread, of like about near and stuff like that but like i think it was the same thing very appropriate for moonbirds like something is going to be the catalyst um mm -hmm. either up or down yeah 100 you know? and it's like <laughs> what we're talking about too like you're always gonna have differing perspectives especially like when you're talking about investing like someone's going to be pro someone's going to be con and uh it, the way that it ends up whoever was right is going to be the prevailing argument <laughs> the one that won too and then everybody's gonna look like a genius they're gonna clout chase yeah, for like exactly. a couple months like, exactly i called or whatever you know uh that's that's usually how it goes but i think i think a lot of this stuff we are seeing i think that can't be denied is institutions are coming you know there's funds being raised all the time um you know for for crypto so i think everybody is long-term bullish crypto yes um, it's just you know are you going to dollar cost average when it looks like we're going to zero? I think it's like the question people have to ask themselves. No, definitely. <laughs> and it's it's interesting too. I mean, I remember the first spaces I hopped on with you guys, like that was one of the points mm -hmm. that we talked about is like, what does the Web3 space look like once uh, the corpos are here, the suits are here? Yeah. Like what, what, what is going to, What's that going to look like? Are they going to have a team of <laughs> a team of like quote unquote traders that are just you know playing Bridge World for eight hours a day and and yeah. farming and questing and whatnot, or you know, like, is it just going to be strictly within the DeFi space? And we're starting to see a lot of NFT slash crypto funds popping up here and there um, that are putting a lot of money into different projects. So, I mean, it will be interesting to see what the space looks like even like next year with so yeah. much corporate involvement. I mean, I love the bull case always. It's always more fun for me for the bull case. But, you know, I think even for different investor types, it's going to there's a, a more bullish case for even smaller investors now than there is. I think in, in two, five years or something, because 
if you think it, your advantage is going to get any bigger, the more institutions come in with professionals, you're wrong. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they're taking away your piece of the pie. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to have more money, more expertise. You know, I think right now and and previously, and that's where you see guys come up from, like you know, uh, like hundred bucks to like a mill or something, or ten grand to like uh, you know hundred mil or whatever these kind of crazy yeah. stories because they were really risk you know risk off they just went in balls deep and they're just like okay let's do it you know yeah it's zero they no. are the opposite of risk averse they are huge exactly. risk takers yeah no risk it's takers, it's so. it's a good point and i think the other thing too to think about too is like as corporations start to get more and more involved in the crypto and web3 space i mean i think the two things kind of play off each other like what will the regulatory environment look like at that point mm -hmm. but also i think that a regulatory body kind of needs to get involved for a lot of corporations to get in like we are seeing a lot yeah. of uh, crypto assets on balance sheets of big corporations. But I think that there's just, and, and what we talked about last time too, is like the accounting treatment behind crypto NFTs, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's going to play a lot into whether corporations feel confident, like getting their feet wet with in, in the web three space. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think people, especially like retail, don't understand like the mindset of a lot of corporations. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's not about like people, you know, at retail, you're like, I want to get to, you know, seven figures or eight figures, whatever, you know, six figures, whatever it is. <laughs> sometimes it's like five figures. Let's do it. Like, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Like a lot of these guys that are getting in um, that are institutional are trying to not to lose their job. Like that's the goal, right? make enough returns to keep your job but not risk too much to where you if you mess up like you lose your job right so, exactly yeah like they don't get paid you know a lot of times you know there's comps and bonuses and stuff like that but it's not like the difference between you know 10 mil and 100 mil risk is way different to those guys yeah you know, especially when you're playing around with company money instead of your own yeah exactly or even like hedge funds and stuff like this like technically yeah. it's not really your money so like less emotions a, are in it but also more until yeah. yeah yeah it's it's kind of a different ball game and i think that people may like the retail people may not be prepared for how professional it's going to get yeah yeah i mean that's it's a thing is like does your 12 year old that's invested in bitcoin is he really going to know what to do once there's any like real regulations uh mm -hmm. in the crypto space like I don't think so. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be it's yeah. gonna be kind of tough once the corporations get involved and and we start seeing a lot more structure to to things, which is you know kind of the the antithesis to the uh, to the um, crypto space, DeFi space. It's it's yeah. kind of a uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how our twelve year old traders are doing. <laughs> yeah, the twelve year old with the credit card ones, but yeah. I mean the thing is like I don't know how much crypto wilderness there's gonna be in like five years. True, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's going to be manicured and it's going to be chopped up and, you know, like you're going to have to really go deep to get to the jungle, um, for crypto because it's just, it's just not safe for retail. So regulations right. are going to come in, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Did you have another article you wanted to cover or, or was that everything? That's pretty much, there was another one, but I think it's going to be a little too much. If we're trying to hit this hour, hour mark, um, I think... There was one actually last point I think I wanted to touch on with Moonbirds that I thought was really interesting um, and kind of more of a philosophical thing that people, I think people should think about this because, you know, a lot of times people think of it from like their viewpoint, but they should also look at it from like a protocol viewpoint mm -hmm. um, or project viewpoint because that will allow you to see which projects are like rugs, which ones don't have your best interests in mind and which ones are putting things in place that are there for the better of the of the um project mm -hmm. which it might not always be right right it might not always look right right so like let's say with moonbirds you're nesting and then you get these rewards and then if you unstake it burns those rewards and you know so that it, that you're not you're more unwilling to um unstake and mm -hmm. sell right which seems mm -hmm. like they're just kind of forcing people to be there but that's actually more healthy for the protocol because it's actually determining who is there for the right reasons and who's there for the long-term vision right so and it's true too like the structure of the protocol should be set like the structure structure thesis and you know mission of the protocol mm -hmm. like you know it, i think the more and more you like look at these things like the more and more you start to feel like these things are like living breathing uh things and yeah i feel like the structure the thesis like the mission for these protocols should be such that 
it's incentivizing people to stay, incentivizing the project to grow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, exactly. That's that's basically like how I think people should think of it is like when you go into a Discord and you look around and you see people, is there are there people that know each other for a long time? Um, are there a lot of people like Win Moon? Are there a lot of people that are like, hey, you know, I, you know, they're just there to flip. You can tell, um, you know, they're really pissed when there's an update where it lowers inflation mm -hmm. rate or something. And it's like, and you always see the, point. you always see those when whitelists when like the project's already dropped. Like I feel yeah, like exactly. even, even in like the last <laughs> like five days, I've seen people come in and like, uh, when staking over. I know. I love the shogis will just like mess with those people too. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, exactly. Like, Everyone hey, just hey, memes hey. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, Oh, tag, tag Fujin. He'll, he'll let you know how to get on whitelist. Like, yeah like it's too funny yeah tag ollie <laughs> give him your wallet address and social security <laughs> number yeah tag ollie he'll definitely he's definitely not gonna respond he's he's like he's gonna flame somebody he's mid coding gets pings like yeah but, <laughs> yeah but i think that stuff like that when people start to look at it from a, a more like you're looking at it for what you should be looking for in a good project might not always be apparent and, and yeah that i think will make people better uh, nft and DeFi investors <laughs> and i agree cool well, we're we're pretty good. I think we can always. Uh, I mean, we could always do two or three hours. Of course, more Joe Rogan style. But maybe we'll wait for a guest or something like that. Maybe one day you and I just sit down and we talk from eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock in the morning the next day, <laughs> and then we just chop that up into twenty-four different episodes and we're chilling. It's easy. Then we just publish. You know, just put it on a schedule and just ship it. Yeah, just one day a week. We just record for the entire week. We do twenty-four <laughs> hours, and then yeah. the rest of the week, all we got to do is edit and publish. <laughs> marathon it i mean yeah. i think i had an idea that i was going to say people can can let us know if it's a good idea or bad or, or totally retarded but um i think if we did something um where we're in a discord space um uh, and we actually like do it live in disc or live in twitter or something like that we can mm -hmm. actually um just use that and just no, use that be like a live podcast that would be cool and we'd have to just figure out how to also like get that up on youtube or something too or just record it so that uh we can yeah. keep it yeah i think it'd be cool no i like that and uh, another idea i had too matthias um that i think would be yeah. pretty cool is like every now and then maybe we can do an episode where it's just a 15 minute episode and we just literally just shoot from the hip we just talk about what's happened in the mm -hmm. nft space and and that way like uh people have like these bite-sized podcast that they can listen to which will just kind of either talk through things that we've already talked about or just give them like a snapshot of what's going on in the market yeah i think that'd be good some kind of quick bites for like mm -hmm. driving to work or something or yeah just like once a week or twice a week or something we can do that It'd be cool but um another thing i wanted to mention is uh matthias and i have been doing a lot of work trying to get people onto the podcast we've had a lot of yeses already um mm -hmm. some some just haven't like a responded surprising amount of yeses i yeah. thought we get like a hundred no's before like most people just said yes and then some people have just waited to get back to us yeah exactly i haven't even gotten it i haven't gotten any no's i've just gotten like either they don't yeah. respond or yeah and i'm taking a don't respond as a yes so right now i'm 100 <laughs> uh, i'm 100 um but yeah so we have some we have we have some interesting uh interesting projects and some pretty cool people that are going to be joining us uh as so far everyone's scheduled for next week so um it'll be fun to look out for that and uh they are all really excited to talk with to, to matthias and i and we're obviously very honored because this is only our second episode so yeah um, i think it's gonna be fun we should probably publish who i think we have we, we can maybe get a little list or start dripping out who we got because yeah i mean I'm i was thinking about just I, people yeah, I was thinking about I was thinking about tweeting it out. Um, you and I just have to sit down real quick, uh, maybe yeah. after this, and we could just talk through like who's already said yes and whatnot, and when we have them scheduled, and then we could both just uh, shoot something off on Twitter with what we're what we got lined up in the pipeline. And then we'll put Gary V in, and then we'll just wait for him to tell us no. And then yeah, oh, I already had Gary V on, on my rotation. list. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. responded to me, and as I said before, I'm taking a no response as a yes. Yeah like a soft yes like just yeah. waiting around you know he's he's probably he probably checked it and he's like oh yeah yeah, yeah i gotta get back to him like it's <laughs> exactly yeah he's like uh save the best for last he just wants to give me a quality yeah. yes response he doesn't want to he doesn't want to just give me a yes yeah he wants to it. tell me how honored he is to join our podcast and how, <laughs> how much fun he'll have and he's actually probably going to also ask if he can be a co-host on the podcast yeah. and just join That's us regularly that's probably it. But I actually, I really want to get AJ on. I don't know that we'll be able to get either of the Vaynerchuk brothers, but um, he does have a Shogun, so we have a shot. Yeah. But uh, he does have his new project out, VSP, and it's um, Vayner Sports Pass, and I'm in there, but it uh, looks pretty cool. 
but uh, yeah. maybe we can get him on. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, well, thanks guys for listening. Matthias, you have anything else you want to say? Like, uh, I had a great time. Uh, I had a great time last time. I had an even better time this time. And I feel like every yeah. time we do a podcast, we're just going to love talking to each other that much more. I know. I, I That's what I was telling. I think we were, we were talking about it. We're like, as long as we have fun and we'll put it out there. And like, if six people listen to it or like, it's just like our parents listening to it or something like that, yeah. like, you know, I'll play in the background just so we get some views. Exactly. But, All uh, of our views on YouTube right now are friends and family. Exactly, which is awesome. Which I like, you know, they're early, they're accumulating. Yeah, they're early. But um, <laughs> I think it'll be fun. Like, I think it's just fun, even if we have fun. And um, I think we're getting better and better. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, we've only have two episodes to go off of, but I, I will say <laughs> that this episode was better than the last. Sample size of two, and we are killing it. Yes. Um, our own horns. But uh, <laughs> no, super fun. And I'm excited to do uh, another one. Okay, sounds good. Later, man. Have a good one. Bye, guys. You too.